As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. It's time for our World Cup post-game show. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host there. And I'm joined once again by Christine Cooper. How are you doing, Christine? Uh, still buzzing. I don't think that anyone, neutral or otherwise, is coming off of that US-England match without feeling some kind of way. So it's a little bit of uh, anxiety, uh, still lingering, a little bit of uh, probably over-caffeination because that's just the way forward with our 5 a.m. match schedules. Um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm once again happy to join you. No, it's it's been a lot of fun. And today's been a lot of fun, I think, generally across across the games. And we'll touch on all four of them at, at some point in this episode. But I imagine the main thrust of it is going to be based on what we've just seen between these two nations. And, you know, I think a lot of people coming into this were quite stressed. There was a lot of anxiety, as you say, around how this was going to go, especially considering how England played uh, in in that first half against Iran and how the USMNT played in that second half against Wales. But turns out there was not huge amounts to be worried about. That was a game where the Thank US you. were very Thank much you, the for the gift, I guess. I'm not sure. Like, who do we address the the bouquet or the edible arrangement to there? Um, yeah, England, England came out. I was a little bit precarious about what they had no change in their lineup, which I think... Um, I don't know if I was surprised, but I think maybe I thought that they'd switch to a back five. Um, they didn't bother, which says a lot in contrast to the Iran match. Um, but I think that probably the highlight of this match is that um, the U.S. seems strong. They really did. I don't I don't think that this was a wasteful, scoreless match. It certainly had its really dicey moments where, I mean, we had a full-on, like, <laughs> Matthew Turner, um, formerly of the Revs, uh, now Arsenal fame, um, come dribbling out of the box, um, nil-nil. I personally did mouth. not expect to yeah. see that happen. I did not think that my heart rate would jump quite like it could, but apparently that was a perfect heart test for me. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like as we inched closer toward the end of the match, uh, 80th minute, um, 
beyond that has been where the U.S. has conceded the most goals and also paired with that, the fact that um, they haven't finished with any clean sheets. And I think in like the last 32 European matches makes me a little bit more nervous knowing that little tidbit. Granted, history doesn't always repeat itself, but I think that they did really, really well to hold this match. I, like England, we're not holding back for sure. We saw that the, the subs that were swapped in and out were a lot of England's wide players. So they had fresh legs. So they weren't ready to just roll over. I think I saw more attack um, come out of that side once Grealish came on. Um, I feel like there was a lot more urgency. Um, I got a little bit more nervous in terms of the U.S. I think they put out... Um, an outstanding lineup. Again, they made some changes. Um, we had Haji Wright starting up top, which I don't know. How did you feel about Haji Wright um, well, getting bit, the, the cap this go round? I was a bit wary because I was like, I, I don't think we've seen all that much of it, right? And, you know, kind of if I thought he was going to make the change, I thought he'd go to Jesus Ferreira because, you know, he's been his go-to guy and I appreciate that. And so to throw in someone like Haji Wright, I thought was a bit was a bit of a you know, a world kind of, oh, okay, I'm putting a wild card move in. You know, I'm going to try and upset the apple cart a little bit. And I know he scored, obviously, in that, in that game against Morocco, which obviously happened back in June, I think it was. Um, and he, he got his goal that day. And he's been playing really well in Turkey. So, you know, there, there's plenty of credit in the bank in that regard. But actually, I was really impressed. And actually, I think his physicality and ability to occupy both centre-backs was massive in terms of the US getting up the pitch, holding the ball up in those areas uh, and being able to kind of launch those counterattacks off a big man, off a target man at points. And so, you know what? There's been a lot of criticism over some of Bahalta's decisions. I think he's got it completely right. Uh, and and maybe throwing that wild card option in did throw England a little bit because they were like, well, that's... N I was expecting one of two things and that was neither of them. Yeah, I think... Um... I'm I'm certainly in agreement with you on this, which probably is much to the dismay of a lot of the Triple G haters um, across the internet and elsewhere. Um, I I don't I don't see the error. I like his um, fearlessness in trying things. Okay, like Haji is the second. Which I mean, I know that we criticize uh, England a lot for the high concentration of Prem players that they tend to pull for national team duty, but quite frankly, Haji we don't usually take players from Turkey either. I mean, he's the second to play for the US, US men's national team. And the first was Jermaine Jones. So um, I think that the diversity that we're seeing has been super helpful. Nice to see uh, Brendan Aronson get on. Um, also another surprise I think in subs was Shaq Moore coming on for Jest. Yeah. Um, I That I liked less, I'll be honest. <sighs> I, I think I'm more of a neutral on that move. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still processing is what I'll say. I think I expected um, him to probably sub more, especially defensively with Yedlin based on his experience, because yeah, great. why would you want to try that at that point? You know, you already know that for England, there's more at stake in this match because they can seal their deal and move on with just beating the U S um, granted, you know, U S draw, lose uh, still a bit more dicey they're more reliant on beating iran but i think that um the squad that we saw saw show up today was was probably one of the best showings that we've had especially against england yeah no i, I agree and it was it was just that moment at the end which i more came on he gave away maybe two three free kicks on that side and i was going hang on the U.S. have dominated this this game, you know, and we'll come on to the kind of full spectrum of how that played out and why it was so. But 
the US dominated the game. They they were the better side for, for pretty much all of it, I think, uh, you know, across the, the balance of play. And you're going, right, we know what this England side are like from set pieces. Do not give them three or four. And then, and then you just moose did it as well. And, then, and I was like, head in hands moment going, don't do that. Please don't do that. That is really not the opportunity. <laughs> I beg of you, do not try this right now in this, this moment. Is, yeah, this I felt not the same way. Yeah. I mean, especially knowing that they had a lot of fresh legs on and England typically score more from open play than the U.S. do. It just is a dangerous situation. You don't want to also let them possibly capitalize on a set piece. It just, mm -mm, no, no, not me. Could not be me. <laughs> no, didn't didn't enjoy. Did not enjoy last couple of minutes. Would not um, do it again. <laughs> no, yeah, we wouldn't do again. Thanks very much. Been a pleasure. Um, but in in terms of the game, you know, this was this was billed as being a midfield battle. You know, we we saw Bryson Bellingham and, and Mason Mount to a slightly lesser extent in, in terms of how they controlled the middle against Iran and how everything kind of sprung from that. Um, we saw the first half of that game against Wales, the USMNT, Musa, Adams, McKenney. You know, there, there are elements of this. Do you go? This is this is so beautifully balanced. They this were the rock of this match, particularly, oh, yeah. and I love watching them play together. Um, I cannot emphasize this enough. People often underrate McKenney a ton. Yes, he had a couple of uh, balls that he just absolutely skied today. Which who among us? I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, big match to play. Lots of energy to expel. Um, he is looking really good considering the quad that he's been dealing with for the last month, even from Juve. Um, but Tyler, and I know that we all say this and the sentiments echoed that he is just so mature, yeah. smart, yeah, yeah. Um, and willing to knuckle up when need be. And he's everywhere. He's eyes on all the time locked in. And it said a lot, still not enough because I think that when I say it, it's more of a, I still cannot believe it myself that he's so young. Like we got so, so lucky with this sort of crop and generation, which I'm hesitant to say the golden generation. I kind of hate that. Um, it also, it, it heaps pressure onto players. You don't, yeah, you don't need just, to be a golden generation until you've won something and then you're fine. Then you go, then, right. Then like you let them on, be right? them. But right now our midfield is, they're my favorite. Absolutely. Hands down. And not just because I'm, also a lifelong midfielder so i can i think it's harder for me to give defenders their flowers but i think that even that back line that berhalter has been kind of tweaking is the optimal one um for this tournament yeah it feels that way it feels that way and there was a lot of nice things that went on in that back line now walker zimmerman got a fair bit of criticism after giving away the penalty and and rightly so i think um it, it was a slightly unnecessary challenge and you know one of those moments you go oh that's just we, no one needed that. Don't do that. Um, but you then, you look at this and you go, Tim Ream, I, I was really worried. Now I watched Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson every single week, right, at the cottage. And we saw how Behalter wants to use Robinson as kind of this kind of extra winger. He flies forward. He's so good on that flank, oh, he's though. Unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I feel like for me, at least the way that I, if we're doing like a, this is to that, like he is to that wing what Tyler is to that midfield. Like mm -hmm. he just instinctively knows and so for me, at least, he instills confidence. Um, I never have a problem on that side of the field. Obviously, the other side I get a little, little shaky with, um, depending upon who's on. But um, all in, I think that we finally figured out what 
the optimal special sauces. Yeah, I'd agree because it allows Christian Pulisic to, to cut inside and, and get into those spaces where he can be dangerous. And I thought he had a really good game today, even if there were these little moments that you just were like, ah, one more or that last pass. Uh, you know, there is that element. But I thought generally Pulisic was, was very, very good. I was just wary that Robinson was going to leave Ream exposed today. And we've seen how good that line is, you know, where, where, where you, that England wing, where Bukayo Saka is bearing down, where Harry Kane is dropped in. I was stressed. About there Tim was Murray. one key moment, and it's funny because, yes, I do um, just as a routine take notes through matches, but this is actually how prominent this is in my head. The one little cheeky backheel that Pulisic tried in the midfield that was a turnover that ended up at Saka's feet had me actually just like, no, like this is exactly what we don't need to be doing. I don't know why we would have done that. You knew that they were closing in on every inch of space that you had. Yeah. I know what his intention was. So unfortunately, both sides of that, right? When they get one off like that and you're like, ooh, that was saucy. When they don't, it's why did you waste that? And for me, it was the last thing that you want to do is have Saka winning a ball for fun in, open in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely carried it. And right, Luciano says, tuning in now. Thanks for tuning in. He said, how about Matt Turner? Guy turned up. And he did. This is, you know, I and one of the things today was not necessarily some brilliant stops, because I don't think there was loads of, of major saves from either keeper, but just the confidence instilled by him claiming crosses. And, and we talked about set pieces already. You know, it just felt like he was in control pretty much all the time. Ball at feet, ball in hand, ball in the air. There were no worries about whether he was going to have the situation in his grasp. I think less the moment when he decided to dribble out, which we'll you the out never, ever, ever see from him. And I will circle back to that. Um, yeah, there weren't really any unsavable shots. He was very smart in his ball distribution. Um, lots of balls over the top trying to make it to Wea um, when he didn't think he could make it through the midfield. Uh, super smart when I get nervous with Turner is knowing, and I will say that he's improved greatly, outstanding with Arsenal, for sure. Even beyond what he had at the Revs, and I know it was always like a work in progress, he was never good with the ball at his feet. And that's unknown. So whenever I see him sort of um, taking a little bit of his time, which I normally don't disagree with, but you knew that that front line from England were starting to come in hot. Yeah. And that would make me very nervous. I think that his uh, play has improved greatly. It's impressive. There's nothing to be mad at. But I think uh, I haven't caught up to his confidence level yet. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. And though that dribble did, it was hot in mass because, you know, if Mason Mount hadn't been running for about 50 meters already, I think there would have been Listen, a slightly we tighter up, close like, there. If we were up even 2 0, I would have felt way better about that. But <laughs> when you're still scoreless and it's anyone's game, uh, one slight hiccup and it, it's a wrap, I just. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. And um, one from Rick Cardis here. Hi, Rick. He says, just join you both. I feel like the USMNT dropped points today. Is that fair? Because because I think the US were definitely the better side. There was a couple, the major opportunities fell the US's way. I don't think there's going to be many people here who will look at this and go, oh, England have, 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 have any right to feel more than pleased with a point. You know, they would, if, if it was going to be, if it was going to go one way, it felt like it was very much going the USMNT's way. Yeah, I, I think that before the match even started, a lot of people were leaning into the expectation that that would probably be a draw 
with it being 1-1. Um, and also in many cases, the best case scenario for the way that this match could play out because in the past, it's I mean, the last time that they played England, even as a friendly in 2018 Russia, they lost. So, um, I mean, expectations, I think, have been managed fairly well, even across the fan base. Um, I think that everyone kind of knew the U.S. winning going into this was a little bit lofty, but possible, um, especially with this squad. But quite frankly, like England came out pretty flat for me. I don't think yeah. we saw much out of Kane. Um, I was more worried after the last match with Iran about uh, Bellingham. And even I, they kind of <laughs> yeah, neutralized yeah, each other. That, like that. There, there was a, a very lackluster performance for a typical England squad, I think. Yeah, and but I do, you know, and this is what I kind of alluded to earlier on. I do wonder if it was just being unable to cope with how the US came out and set up. You know, it was pretty much, you know, we'll sit off and let you have the ball until you get into the the, the start of the US half. You know, you can knock it around the back where you like. And it, I wouldn't, I'd hesitate to call it a deep block because it wasn't, I don't think. It wasn't, no, it wasn't but US like, sitting it in a way. It was like marking lines in space. And I think that they did that really effectively. I think yeah, it, was it was smart against England. It was compact, organized. If they start sending people out wide, like, and you're actually man marking, you're going to get hemmed up eventually, especially just the way that they play. Yeah, um, yeah I, but you look at you look at the the way that the US countered, and and all of the greatest threats came from that counter press, right? It came from the counter punch. It came from Christian Pulisic skipping down the wing. Yeah. It came from those those opportunities to switch play and and get Tim Ware in in that vertical line. I've really, really enjoyed how how the US played because they set up, they looked at where England had, had fallen a little bit apart in that Iran game, you know, finding those spaces between the centre-backs and the full-backs. They exploited those channels and create the better chances. That's where I was. This is a, a really, really impressive performance. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's gaming, right? That's strategy. You use what you have. Um, I know that a lot of people are arguing that, you know, the thing that the U.S. side is missing is like that one true striker, which is true. But what they're capable of doing even without that, um, they have really, really capable forwards. You know, I I like Haji. I also thought we might see Jesus. I I honestly thought I'd, we'd see Jesus before we'd see Haji. Um, and then the question of finally seeing Gio pop out. Um, but even then, I feel like they put him on so so deep into this match that you know it didn't really give him the benefit of potentially impacting it as well as he could have yeah i mean we've got a couple more questions but i wanted to ask you about this because the substitutions felt late you know aronson came on in the 77th minute sergeant in the 83rd rainer in the 83rd it didn't feel like there was plenty of space for them to to change the game but equally on the flip side of that and to use you know, to, to maybe defend Beholder a little bit. The game plan was kind of working. Well, actually, that's unfair. The game plan was, was working. working. And, yeah. and so, therefore, to change it up at that point, I can see why he was reluctant to make the changes until late in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that sometimes um, subbing for the sake of subbing and feeling like it's a bit rushed and you feel like you've just crushed some momentum um, or negated any of the chemistry on, like it's going to take a few minutes to, to get up to speed essentially, just especially depending upon who you're subbing on and off. Um, I think, you know, when you replace a midfielder and then also a defender in the same breath and then toss Geo on there, it's a little bit like, all right, like, is this going to be a little lopsided? 
Um, yeah, roll the dice almost. Yeah, I mean, you, you can only say this with certainty in hindsight, obviously, but um, I don't fault him for having waited as long as he did. I just think that um, it gives a bit of insight into what potentially could be for Iran. Um, again, I said this last week, but I'd expect to see more Geo um, in the next match. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, if there's some sort of a rift brewing or otherwise, just with the back and forth with Berhalter's pressers regarding whether or not he had, you know, muscle tightness or a knock or otherwise. Everything's peculiar in that uh, realm at the moment, but I'd say for what's actually transpired, I mean, Wei is having a great tournament so far. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our midfield's been the star, U.S., so... I mean, we had comments on both of these. Luciano said, I'm really pleased with Timothy Ware in this World Cup. Um, and Iram said, Tyler Adams has been great in both games, definitely been the player of the tournament for us so far. I, I think both of those things are fair. And, you know, Ware gives that element of stretching the play. That perhaps is the, is the difference here. And, you know, you talked briefly about having a bona fide number nine. And, I mean, there aren't all that many brilliant number nines you know, across the world, I would say, who can do all of the elements? Who have the whole right? Like, are we actually are we evolving beyond a true nine in modern football? Would be yeah. a question that I think could be argued both ways. I mean, if you look at it and you go, you know, across Europe's top five leagues, Champions League, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, how many complete number nines are there? Say four or five. You know, you're not talking about many who, who have everything in abundance. Um, and, and of the next generation coming through, you're not talking about all that many either. You know, th there's lots of questions to be to be had there. So what you do is you try and get the little bits in in various ways. And actually, you know, Haji Wright today, I thought, did the hold up play really well. And Tim Weyer gave the verticality and, and the kind of getting in behind elements. And Christian Pulisic came the, OK, I can hold the ball. I can dribble around. I can wait for those opportunities to to open up a little bit better. And so I think that's what you do now with a forward line. You try and make the different component parts work to create yourself a, an all-round goal-scoring threat. And I feel like the U.S. had that. You know, yes, the ball didn't go in the back of the net. But on the whole, it felt like all those parts were in full working order. I think we can all agree, though, um, they really need to work on set pieces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in camp when, you know, this isn't a World Cup cycle, but... What in God's name? I, I just the slew of five corners in a row. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm, like, I'm going to bang my head. How are they? The wall. How are they so good at so many aspects of this game? And then suddenly, it's like the things that you start practicing at like age five that you're like, there's a deficiency. Where you you're telling me? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, realize on the chances that present themselves, but somehow they squander them every yeah. time. Yeah, it, it did feel like one of those things. He's just like, please make this work. Like, there's nothing even like hugely wrong with how the how the set pieces are. You know, they're flying in fine. They're reaching good positions at times, and there's just something doesn't seem to be magnetized for them at the moment. So maybe that maybe next time it'll click. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. And um, Rick says this is going to be a big task against Iran. Will they sit sit back and, and be satisfied with the draw, or try and catch us on the counter for the win? I, I'd argue both. Um, but but in terms of how this works, and you just talked about Giorena, is this going to be a question of picking the lock early and, and and trying to kind of bait them out of the trap? Because the last thing you want is to be banging on the door in the 89th, 90th minute, relying on set pieces. Yeah, no, that's actually a nightmare scenario that could unfold. I yeah. I wouldn't even want that on. I would not wish that. No, 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 no. We're not even going to put that into the air. I, I honestly think that uh, the way that the Iran squad are, that they probably will be pressing for a win. I, I think that they will be less than satisfied with a draw, uh, irrespective of how everything plays out. They're just not, they're, that's just not how they play. It's not their style. Um it's going to be an interesting match. I, I don't think that anyone should be discounting Iran at all. I think they have a lot of talent in their squad. Yeah, very good um, side. Yeah, I, I think that people want them to be uh, a little bit more of a pushover than they actually are. Well, I think they showed today that they weren't. That's actually we'll come on to that game. So, so we we won't go into it now. But they are they are a very <laughs> decent side with 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 a very strong forward line, and 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 they're going to be a problem. But you know, I, I think the US can take heart from you know at least 135 minutes of these 180 that have been played yeah the second half against wales fine let's take that out but the rest of it i think there's plenty of plenty of positives to have taken from this and you know i i do think this is one of those where we're looking at this tournament going right okay this is an opportunity for the us but it is also still a learning curve for the next one which looks to be that kind of I was going to say Mount Everest, but that's such a brief. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to refrain from saying so. Um, but, you know, that's the top of the mountain. That That's the, the po- point where you want to look at it and be like, okay, we're building for something special. And actually, you only have to look at Qatar this time around. Four years ago, Qatar looked like they were in a really good place. You know, yeah. they were just about to go on a, a winning Asia Cup run. They've done okay in the Gold Cup the year after that. They went too early. It doesn't feel like the US are in that zone. And now, womp, womp, Qatar, yeah. the first to exit the host so sad but it is what it is um i think at this point anyone that would have expected better of the u.s side as they're playing it's probably more of an expectation issue than the reality because i think i i mean i'm confident in them i think that we just have a lot of people that really like to uh complain 
but I think that all in, there's nothing that they could have changed or done better um, at this point. And quite frankly, we have probably the first semblance of a solid functional squad that actually enjoy playing together and gel yeah. in a while. There doesn't seem to be any rifts or um, bad blood or, um, hey, we're gonna try this. You know, I think that Berhalter got all of that experimentation out in qualifiers, which is when you're supposed to be. You know, I mean, yeah. granted, yeah. maybe a little less loosely, but um, I think that when you start with a young squad, you have to put them to the test and when's better than figuring out who should essentially be playing for the nation um, when you get there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And and look, by by the time that the, the World Cup comes to US, Mexico and Canada in 2026, Flo Balogun will have uh, declared for the USMNT. So everything's oh going to be fine in the number nine department as well. <laughs> I'll just point that in. Number I, New uh, York born number nine Flo Balogun. Oh, my God. Let me write it now. I'll be like, Jack said this. It was I'll write, write that into existence. Coming That's through. What I'm I, putting uh, it into the ether. I think um, the other thing is that's prevalent I mean, all week, irrespective of the match, is these like non-calls or bad calls or questionable calls by the refs. And I don't like doing the whole like, oh my God, refs are bad thing, but um, it's certainly impacting matches. You know, we saw uh, in US, England, uh, way I got studded on the late challenge, non-call. And I feel like that was closer to being a yellow than a non-call. Um, in that instance and it's kind of like all right like how many how many of these are we letting fly by um when you know on the inverse of that we have probably the reason for the moment chosen for those subs with McKenney and Dest coming out is that they're both on yellows yeah so like that probably was more of a consideration than I think probably them at that moment but I'm not Greg, so I'm not going to definitively decide that for him. But <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll, we'll leave that to him. We'll leave that one to him. Um, right, we'll come back. We'll circle back around in the US. But let's go to Wales versus Iran from earlier today. This was pretty special, actually, from Iran because, you know, sometimes score lines flatter you. Sometimes things look, look better than they are. This didn't. Iran were quite comfortably the better side in this game. Uh, now, I know that's not the result, really, that anyone wanted from, from pretty much any other camp, I think, in, in, in this group. But it was I was, it was, I was right very result. like, let's go Iran. Like, I was ready, like, let's get the Tadig. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, we are all Iranian today. But I didn't expect Wales to quite... Um, not entirely gift them, but like gift them the opportunity to come hammering back quite like they did. I mean, it wasn't until like stoppage time. So pocket change minutes that all of a sudden they come up, uh, Ruzbeh Cheshmi and Ramin Razayan decide to like score goals, which is like so wonky, stupid World Cup kind of. It's only no. this World Cup as well, 99 and 101. Do you reckon there's ever been two later girls in a World Cup? You know, minus. Honestly, I have to go. This will probably be my personal deep dive now. Like, what's the latest scored goal historically? Because this will sit in the back of my brain and oh, I'll yeah. be laying in bed later and be scrolling pen in hand because why wouldn't I? It's like the curiosity sometimes grabs you and there you are. And sometimes it kills the cat. So um, yeah. you know, it's one of those. But yeah, no, I, I think you're looking at this and yes, the goals were late, but you know, Haran had had a goal chalked off uh, offside in the first half, yeah. which was ludicrous by the way, you know, the correct call, but why he was offside when he had the entire freedom of the pitch, you know, to, to make things work was, was one question. Then they went and hit the post twice 
in, in, in such quick succession. Asmoon heads the rebound straight into the keeper's arms. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, maybe it's just not their day. You know, maybe it's going to be one of those where the ball just won't go in. The goal lives a charmed life, et cetera, et cetera. The commentary here in the UK um, suggested that the, the the posts were made of Welsh wood uh, at one point, <laughs> which I enjoyed, which I enjoyed quite a I, lot. Uh, I welcome this bit of folklore into um, this tournament. I do. That, that's amazing. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that the 86th minute red card on Hennessy. I like how often has that ever happened where it's the keeper in a World Cup? Well, three times actually. This yeah. is the third time ever. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Yeah, there you go. There's a fun one. It was an Italian goalkeeper, I think, in, in I guess 86, but I might be out. Um, and then there was one in 2010 and then one one this year. So this year, there you go. Uh, did they have equally unfavorable outcomes? Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that it's all gone particularly either. well. Yeah, I didn't get my idea. Uh, to have to deal with a 10-man side and i mean nobody wants their keeper to go out and i get the people no. like, yeah but like okay like how much are you trusting your second string keeper in a world cup match well wales wales's second, second choice keeper is actually playing more than wales's first choice keeper so yeah. there is that but um he didn't <laughs> no, show give much him another red <laughs> yeah exactly i bring him down to the third well iran brought four goalkeepers so they're actually they're well stocked for this situation if anything goes wrong um but it was it was a weird one because it, it kind of threw the whole team out, I think. And and, and actually, the, the red card comes from a really stupid pass from Nico Williams, who tries to go back across himself rather than just playing the simple pass out when Wales are recycling from a set piece. And they go up the other end, and, and suddenly they're down to 10. They're under the cosh. Um, and as Kay says in the comments, you know, the Welsh coach basically defended with 4-2-4 in the last 30 minutes. Rob Page has made some... I'm not... I would argue almost suicidal tactical decisions during this World Cup. <laughs> like, there have been some really strange decisions. Start not starting Kiefer Moore in the first game. I thought was was madness. Yeah, um, considering we how definitely crucial both he's agreed been. on that. I, I think that there, if anyone should be criticised for their uh, squad management and uh, selection, it's certainly Wales. Like that's, yeah. let's get that out of the way. And like, I do see uh, a comment that, you know, do Wales rely too much on Gareth Bale to score? And to follow up that statement about squad selection, the answer is yes, because your prominent most likely to score is Gareth Bale. He has the most caps, most goals. Then behind him, you have Aaron Ramsey. And then it literally is a ledge where, you know, far, far fewer uh, caps, so less experience, and then even fewer goals, you have no backups. So mm -hmm. unless there's a small miracle, nobody else is gonna, gonna be able to step up and sort of fill those shoes. So yeah, if you neutralize one or both of them, or they have more typical club-esque play, like they typically well, Rams, go- Ramsey <laughs> was dreadful today, like absolutely dreadful, worst player on the park kind of vibes. Um, and, and that's not nice to see, and it's not nice to say, because Aaron Ramsey's had a hell of a career. Um, I love, a a player, I love know. Rambo. I, I, I would put that up forward. Um, I do have my biases, but I'm also able to be objective here, is that the one thing that both Bale and Ramsey have in common is they often go missing for their club side and somehow miraculously are a night and day player for Wales every time. And I feel like it's more consistent than not. So at what point is that um, the, the norm, not the exception? Um, yeah. 
I mean, but yeah, again, like Ramsey sometimes has off games for Wales too. And we saw that today and it stinks quite frankly. Yeah, it, it felt like there was a gaping hole in the middle of the Wales midfield. And you know that that 4-2-4 in the last eight minutes wasn't helped by the fact that one of them was Ramsey, who, who basically wasn't doing anything. Ethan Ampadu with the impossible task today of, of hang, anchoring fail, in the field. Okay, 4-2-4 fail. Yeah, it didn't like, work. God bless. I, I hope that you are minimally embarrassed at the end. That of the only time. works if you're Brazil um, and both of your fullbacks yeah. stay exactly where they are and don't go rampaging down both sides. So um, it, it's been it's going to be very interesting. But, you know, Aram, very, very good. And it, it takes us back to this question now, because this group is is set up relatively nicely. Right. And, and I don't think anyone had it pegged like this after two games or two match days. You know, England are four. Um, Iran have three. The US have two and Wales have one. That's a decent standing going into a final day because it means that no one's out, although it would take a minor miracle for Wales to qualify at this point. Um, but generally, I think that there's there's a lot here that you're looking at and going, OK, I like a final day like that because everyone's got to play for something. And and actually, the worst thing in the world could have been for, for Iran and the US if England had qualified and rolled over, played the B team, and, and, and they have to have it now. And I don't think that would have happened because of local rivalries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that's that's what you don't want to see on the last day of work. You want everyone playing for everything up to the last day of the group stage. Right. I mean, you want everyone to be as engaged and have the same amount of skin in the game. I just think that, uh, for me, a lot of the chatter once uh, Iran had beat Wales uh, was this shift, like, you know, oh good, um, Iran should be this cakewalk. That's that's a much more favorable match for us to play as the US to- I don't see how you can think that after they've won a game. <laughs> Listen, crazier things have been said on, um, on our on internet. On US Twitter, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I would definitely urge people to take Iran more seriously. Um, Team Melly are not slouches. So uh, I think that you should approach that the same way that they're coming into this England match, that it's a viable threat, play like you have absolutely everything to lose um, and see what shakes out. But given the state of what we've seen now, match over match for the US, um, feeling fairly confident in them uh, as a squad. So yeah, well, I mean, I don't think whatever happens, unless this becomes a walkover, you know, unless this goes disastrously wrong. I mean, of the crazy upsets that we've had so far already, one week in, I can't rule anything out, although that would be the nightmare scenario. No, of course. But unless unless the USMNT literally do not turn up in the last game, you know, if this is if this turns out to be a one-all draw and it doesn't get over the line, right, but it's a performance of of quality that we've seen so far, I don't think anyone's going to look back at this and be like, that was a terrible World Cup because... You know, one, you go down as one of the unbeaten sides. You know, there's only been one side ever uh, that's gone unbeaten at a World Cup um, and not won it. And and that was New Zealand in 2010. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, no, you go into the folklore books. But um, but on top of that, you know, I, I think you're looking at that and go, that's three decent performances. And, and, and look, it's not the outcome that anyone's looking for. But th there's credit to be taken from that, I think, where whereas going out in a, in a different way with, with poor performances is a very different question. And, and that's the that's the difference between coming out with heads held high and being like, we actually gave this a real go and coming out being like, oh, we really messed that up. For sure. I think that uh, there's much to be said when the squad looks deserving and are playing like they should be in the World Cup. And I, I don't think, I mean, short of maybe like a couple of snoozy matches, 
Um, we haven't really had that, you know, even um, Netherlands, Ecuador, um, Netherlands still a shadow of the squad that they were this tournament, but um, less flat than their prior match. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can talk about that game very briefly because uh, I thought Ecuador were excellent, and 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 that's the other thing. There's there's all this chat about teams not performing, and there is elements of that at, at times. I think you know, you look at Argentina second half, you look at Germany second half. Fine, mm -hmm. people will look at this result and go, "That's a bad result for the Netherlands." This isn't a bad result for the Netherlands. They should be. They were lucky to get point. And and actually, when you when you look at those results, you look at how good Japan were in that second half. You look at how good Saudi Arabia were in that second half, and you look how good Ecuador were across the ninety here. And actually, I, I think people do disrespect to, to these kind of results by going, "Oh, that's a ridiculous upset." When right. actually the play was was no. very much in ecuador's favor we had hit on this the other day that ecuador are a much stronger squad um and that they were essentially playing down a bit um last match and you saw that today they uh they have a flair that's like distinctly um ecuadorian like it just they're fun to watch they're a fun squad yeah. Yeah. um they're quick um the ball at their feet they're dancing um it's it's just pretty football um but yeah, they gave Netherlands the work today. So um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I didn't really dig too deep into uh, Ecuador's history or more recent history with World Cup. But like, it'll be interesting to see um, what exactly transpires there in that group. Well, it's going to be interesting because I, I would say that on the balance of this group so far, now obviously a lot of rides on that Ecuador-Senegal game. But on the balance of this group so far, these are the two teams that we think we're going to see in the round of 16 and actually when it comes to that you go right the group winner more than likely is going to get the netherlands unless they fail to beat Qatar by any sort of serious number but would you rather have the netherlands if you win group because because i think the answer might be yes you know yeah. and if, if the us go through and you know we don't know how this is going to shake out it could be top or second and for england who are going to go through and probably top or second if I was looking at these and going, which of these two teams would I rather play? The answer would be the Netherlands on the yeah. balance of what stage. I think the US yeah. having to play Ecuador would end up looking very uh, concafy uh, um, just because of the way that things get very like heated, scrappy, physical, very fast for both sides. Um, I think I'd, yeah, I think I'll take Netherlands if, if that is the trajectory in which we're moving. Yeah, which is mad, and I don't think anyone would have been saying <laughs> before this World Cup kicked off. Uh, we'll finish with just a brief touch on Qatar against Senegal. Qatar finally got their goal. They finally got shot on target in the World Cup. Um, the first goal scored. There you go. But Senegal, much too good for them. Um, and it, it, there were moments here for Qatar, and, and actually, quite weirdly, when they were two goals down, it felt like they were let off the leash a little bit. And once they were let off the leash, they were okay. You know, there was there were these moments and it felt a bit like the Qatar side that I've been watching in, not necessarily pre this tournament, but but watching in the build up to this tournament, their games over the last couple of years where they were expansive, they were expressive. Yes, they've always played with a five at the back and they like to keep the ball, but they were creative. And we saw glimpses of that today. Now they're obviously out after this loss. And I was just watching it going, well, why haven't we seen more of this? Because there are so many elements of this side that I like when they're in full flow and we've seen almost none of them. And that's a shame because they've not I given thought any that good this account. Was actually their best match. I think yeah. they looked the best against Senegal, but also I thought 
granted they're playing Qatar, like Senegal looked better too. Um, and once Qatar scored that goal, I felt like Senegal had this kind of like, oh, oh, you thought? Because right away they went hammering back and they then shifted the gears. They got one yeah, and like, then shifted it, it back like, down again. Oh, oh, ha, ha, you, you thought that you were going to get one over on us. Okay. Like it was a very, like, let me stuff you in this trash can right now. Kind of yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it made for a much more exciting match. I just Senegal like did what they did. They have, I mean, big Koulibaly fan. So, um, I'm always rooting for him. Would like to see where they can go with the squad. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about four two fours. This was a four two four, and it worked. <laughs> um, but I suppose when you're talking about different levels of opponent here, um, and also, <laughs> and also, their their two in the middle was Idrissa Kanake and Nampolis Mendy. It was like two of the like most workhorse little midfielders in the middle who are who yeah. are going to absolutely shift around for you and get the job done. And Mendy and like absolutely that. had a nice shift. Um, yeah, they're I think good, there's really a lot good. of a lot of talent on that side that hasn't really gotten to do their thing yet. That yeah, I, I, doing like regular club play. I think a lot of TAP people looked at this Senegal side and thought without Sadio Mane, they're going to struggle. And and look, they do look less. Fair. Yeah. They look more toothless without him, shall we say. Um, but naturally, Abouli Dia is a good goal scorer. Bomba Dieng came on and scored. Iliman and Diaye, I think he's having a brilliant season with, with Sheffield United in the championship. I think the thing it's is like, like Sadio Mane is just one of those special players. So, like, of course you're going to feel that absence. You're not yeah. going to have a 1-1 replacement for him. And it's fair to be like, okay, but that doesn't mean that we're not um, a squad that you should be fearing a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're a very good team. They're a very good team. Um, right, let's close things off um, by going back to the U.S. Uh, generally, I think... We, we've talked through most of it, but just your kind of overwhelming emotion about tonight, Christine. Is 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 there an element of disappointment or is that just a, a game where you go, yeah, we, we did a lot right there? I, I don't think I'm disappointed at all. Um, obviously, like I, I can I kind of bounce back and forth between like emotional brain and then also logical brain. And um, I think today's performance squad all in the outlook. Uh, I'm optimistic. I think I'm pleased with their performance. I thought they today looked like the better squad, which is, I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah. Um, in contrast with, with an England side that's far more seasoned. Um, uh, I think the, the road forward is good. I, I just, you know, how else can you possibly improve? Think about like 2026 uh, with this squad finally getting all of their bearings together. Uh, I think that they'll be a major threat. I, I think they're getting there now, but um, I think that this will be a good test. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, good, excellent. Well, uh, a good night for the US, even if it wasn't the win that some were <laughs> hoping for. Um, this has been the World Cup post-game show on the Athletic Soccer, and all that's left for me to do is say thank you to you all for your questions and for tuning in. Thank you so much to my co-host, Ms. Christine Kubo. Thank you, Jack. Uh, a pleasure, truly. Um, look forward to our next go. Yeah, absolutely. It always is a pleasure. I've been Jack Collins. We'll be back over the weekend talking about all things World Cup here on the Athletic Soccer. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you shortly. Take it easy.